Hi, I'm Andrew from Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. As you probably already know, a couple of weeks ago we were in Seattle for the Bumbershoot Music and Arts Festival. We had a really fantastic time, and over the next couple of weeks we'll be rolling out some of the material we recorded live on stage there. In this podcast, it's comics artist Adrian Tomina. His critically acclaimed series Optic Nerve is known for its clean, beautiful art and for its affecting portraits of young people's relationships and alienations. Last year, Tomina released the book-length story, Shortcomings. It was one of the first pieces of his work to address his identity as a Japanese-American. Let's go to the stage of Bumbershoot and my conversation with Adrian Tomina. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, one of the things that I was really interested in, in shortcomings, um, and I thought was a, about as good a place to start as any, was the fact that you've recreated places in the book um, very directly, very literally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, you were both, uh, I'm from the Bay Area, lived there many years, and I recognized places in the book. Why did you make that choice? Because uh, I'm too lazy to be imaginative and <laughs> you know invent things. I mean that's that's the honest answer, really. It's, I'm just I'm trying to create a realistic you know setting for the story. And uh, when I was writing the book, it was actually easier for me to to come up with the dialogue and everything if I was envisioning it in a place that I was familiar with. And so when it came to actually draw it, I would just you know go to those locations and sort of and it's sort of like shooting on location or something like that. It was it had some sort of personal resonance to me and maybe for people who lived in those towns. There's this kind of this expectation in uh, the kind of comics that you write um, of autobiographicalness, um, even in in fiction comics. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you you relate to that expectation with this book? Well, when I've been going out and talking about this book, one of the first questions that comes up is just like, how much of that is autobiographical and mostly people are trying to judge me based on how much I'm similar to the characters that they disliked or something. But, um, you know, I, and then my gut reaction is to always be indignant and be like, why do you assume that it's autobiographical? But uh, I think I was, you know, on some level trying to set myself up for that. I made the main character look a little bit like me and placed it in a lot of these locations where I'd lived. And um, I, I guess I was just sort of trying to play around. I mean, it is, it is a totally fictional story and the characters are... Um, basically invented, but I, I was trying to, um, I don't know, maybe, I wasn't trying to trick people, but I wanted there to be some sort of confusion between the, the reality and the, the fiction. Why did you want that? Well, I think it was because um, since I started working in a, in a public way, there's always been that sort of interpretation of my work. People always just assume that the stories are strictly autobiographical, and I was trying to push myself past this 
problem that I saw in my work of trying to do work that would make an audience like me as a person rather than just create an interesting story. And so I thought a good way to try and break out of that was to do something where people might think it is me and actually hate me as a result. You know, <laughs> It helps to get married, I got to say, because then sort of like, you know, what do I care? You you started um, you started publishing this kind of comic generally at fifteen, right? If I'm yeah, remembering right. correctly, um, that's pretty early to be off of um, uh, superheroes and whatnot. Might be a little late, actually. I mean, it, it depends on what your standard is. I mean, yeah, well, comic book guys. Yeah. Um, what. What was it? What what drew you to that other side of of comic books at, at that? As basically as you were entering adolescence, I, I think I just hit that point where um, you know I started to realize that I was I turned into just a collector and not a reader. That I was like robotically going to the store like in this pathetic weekly ritual and buying like the, the latest issue of whatever superhero comic and then just not even having any interest in actually reading it but just alphabetically filing it away in mylar and all that and then you know at a certain point i realized the absurdity of that situation and just you know started started looking around and um i think i think nowadays it's it's probably almost easier to find what i consider the good or you know alternative material because it's more that's become more mainstream you know you walk into a bookstore and there it is but at that time, it was like I had to sort of walk, turn the corner and walk into the pornography section of the comic store and, you know, find one issue of, uh, you know, Weirdo or something like that. Um, did you did you have an affinity for the form early on as a creator? Like, was, uh, was drawing something that you always wanted to do or always did? Yeah, I mean, I had the, the, the weird fantasy of working at, Marvel Comics or something like that. I, of course, I, there was some like weird imagined social aspect of it that appealed to me. That I thought like I would come into come into the office and we'd all have our drawing boards lined up and we'd you know be <laughs> chatting while we worked or something. Um, and, and yeah, I was I was actually making kind of like fake comics before I could actually write. You know, a lot of cartoonists talk about this where they were just sort of knowing what a comic should look like but not actually having the brain power to write words. So they would put in little scribbles in the word balloons. You know. And, there's this. It's funny that you brought up that kind of social connection fantasy of, of yeah. comic books. It, it feels like for, for a lot of comics creators, especially people who work solo, it, it's a, it, they have partly in their mind when they start an idea of using this as a tool to make social yeah. connections. Was that was that the case for you? Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Trying to trying to break break free of in my work because uh, you know even if you don't want to admit it to yourself at the time, at least at least for me there was. You know, I was in high school and then college, and I was thinking, like, well, I might not be able to, like, go out to these parties and actually meet girls, but maybe someone will see this comic and think I'm... Did it work? No, of course not. <laughs> Don't waste your time, you know. We'll have more with comics artist Adrian Tomina in just a minute. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. MaximumFun.org is proud to present MaxFunCon, a weekend of awesome. Join me, John Hodgman, Jonathan Colton, Jimmy Pardo, Maria Bamford, Hardin Firm, Tignataro, Jordan Morris, Merlin Mann, You Look Nice Today, Mark Frauenfelder, Jenny Jardin, and many more for a weekend of good times and being awesome in the mountains of Southern California. 
Comedy shows, seminars, classes, podcasts, and even s'mores await you. There's only 100 slots, and they're already more than half full. So visit MaxFunCon.com right now to register. Now, let's get back to the stage of The Sound of Young America live at Bumbershoot. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Adrian Tomina, uh, is a comics artist. His most recent book is Shortcomings. We were talking about Berkeley, um, and I'm from San Francisco, and, and you know, you went to UC Berkeley, I went to uh, UC Santa Cruz, so we're pretty much on the same page in this department. But Berkeley is a place that is completely obsessed with identity politics. Yeah. Um, and that was a topic that in, in some ways, um, uh, particularly in terms of ethnic identity politics, you actively avoided in your work for, for a long time. Yeah. Let, let's start first with why did you, why did you uh, avoid issues of, of race for a long time? Uh, it's like um, there was probably just a slight rebellious streak in me because I, I just the way I grew up and the, the cities that I lived in, that, that was never really at the forefront of my, my consciousness. And then I started publishing comics and, and every journalist I met, they'd get a few perfunctory questions out of the way and they'd be like, now why aren't you addressing your racial identity in your work? And I think there was some part of me that was just sort of uh, put off by that, by that expectation. And so, um, you know, since that seemed to be what everybody wanted, I decided not to do it. <laughs> that's just, you know, that's the way I work, I guess. Um, and uh, so I think I just really resisted it for a long time. But at the same time, I, I was actually accumulating ideas. It's not like I just ruled it out completely and, and never paid it any, any, any mind. So I was accumulating ideas of, of ways I could eventually get into that subject matter without feeling like I was... Um, Really betraying the other work that I that I had done. In the opening scene of Shortcomings, the protagonist Ben um, is having an argument with his serious girlfriend, who is working on a, a, an Asian American film festival. They go to see a film yeah. um, that he hates, yeah. and and he kind of feels like she thinks he should like it because it's an Asian American film. Um, and he disagrees strongly. And I I thought that was a hilarious way of. Kind of throwing down the gauntlet in the in the first scene of this kind of uh, uh, of you wanting to address this in a in a different way. Yeah, I got I got asked recently to come speak at some Asian American film festival, and I was like, this is a trap. I know, <laughs> I know, this is uh, this is like their chance for revenge or something. But like when you were when you were listing your ideas for. Um, uh, listing these ideas, keeping when you had this list in your back pocket of mm -hmm. ways that you wanted to address yeah. identity issues. Yeah. What were the things that you, what were the things that you wanted and the things that you didn't want? Uh, I didn't want anything that was gonna uplift or <laughs> affirm people's pre-existing beliefs. I mean, I figured this, you know, this isn't a book for for kids, and so I figured anyone who's coming to it probably already has their their political beliefs all squared away themselves or they're figuring it out on their own and you know I'm probably the last person to try and advise anyone in that regard so I just I, I feel like that's the main pitfall of that a lot of that material is that it it, it gets up on a soapbox and, and pronounces some really obvious platitude that everyone in the room agrees with and so I just figured I didn't you know drawing comics is pretty slow and arduous so why why waste the time doing something like that at the same time you you have this protagonist with very contrary views on this issue and it, i mean he also has some you know contradictions within himself yeah. about uh, about dealing with it 
Um, and one would, as you mentioned, like to see this as, an, as an, uh, you know, the voice of the, the authorial voice coming through, except that uh, it's also very clear in this book that the protagonist is kind of an unpleasant jerk in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, which is a, you know, I mean, f- especially for your first kind of full-length, novel-length, 100-page operation is a pretty bold choice to make. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit by accident because I... I I don't think I intended him to be so uh, uh, disagreeable, I guess. I, I, I think I'm just a little bit out of sync with other people's standards because I thought it could be you know, questionable, but, but uh, not the, the, the litany of, of uh, criticism. You know, I never expected that. So um, that was the, the, first, the first surprise that I got when the material started going out there was, um, you know, I think if you do a Google search and type in the character's name, comma, you know, all these um, searches come up because there's all these reviews that just start off with like, Ben Tanaka is a or he's, you know, whatever the word, you know, they, there's a lot of people that that's just their whole um, reaction to the book is how much they, they hate the character. And so as a result, when I have to go out and, and face the public, there's a lot of times where someone will stand up and their question is to like quote some specific line if it's from the book and say, do you agree or disagree? You know, it's like, and then they're going to judge me based on that. You mentioned everyone having their own ideas about things. Were you were you surprised by reactions that you got? Were there people who who responded to this work in ways that you weren't expecting? Uh, yeah, I'd say I was. I was. You know, anything that goes into either extreme is a little bit of a surprise for me. So the 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 fact that some people would actually stand in line at signings to basically, you know. Uh, you know, trash me and 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 express their uh, dislike of the book. But Adrian, I don't mean to cut you off. You have <laughs> been publishing hate mail. That's true. In your in the back of your comic every month. That's true. I've, since I've, you've started creating yeah, I, it, I, I think I've sort of invited it somehow because I think now people think that's the way to get my letter printed is to just really <laughs> you know rip them to shreds. So I you know I can't complain. How did you? I wanted to ask you. How did you get the idea that your dear Stan Lee column wouldn't be you know, in issue 324, Spider-Man wore a red hat instead of a blue hat, but instead would be about half complimentary letters and about half people really ripping you a new one. Yeah, because that was the mail I was getting, and I, and I thought, you know, it would be so dishonest if I just edited out all the bad stuff and just made it look like everybody loved everything I did. And, you know, I did it for the first issue, and the general consensus amongst people who read it was, that letters column was the best thing about the whole comic. You know, so I was like, <laughs> I, I guess they like seeing that. So uh, I've sort of stuck with that. Well, what, what was the greatest difficulty of going from uh, writing these very short stories to writing a, a book-length piece with, with the objective of, of actually writing a book-length piece? Yeah, I had to, I had to figure out how to actually write something like a plot <laughs> for after you know I've managed to coast by for 10 years without ever having to do that and so that was that was probably the biggest challenge was to actually try and conceive of something that was bigger than um, what I could you know accommodate in my in my brain at one moment you know a lot of those short stories were never actually written in any formal way until I started drawing the comic because I could just visualize it in my head but you know when you start talking about 90 100 pages and knowing that you got to achieve certain things at certain points along the way, it involved a level of uh, planning that was that was new to me. There's uh, there's such a deep level of planning in in writing a comic because it's both solitary and incredibly labor intensive. Right. Did you have fear that when you started in to make something 
that was uh, full length, so to speak, that you uh, that you would get in, you know, a third of the way and not be happy with it, but you already spent two years doing oh, yeah. storyboards or whatever. That's like I, I've literally had nightmares about that. You know, just the idea of like saying I'm going to do a thousand-page graphic novel about the history of you know something, and you know, halfway through deciding I have no interest in the subject matter. Um, so that was why I, I was I was fairly unambitious with this book. I was going to write about you know things that were <laughs> all you were going to tackle was the race politics issues right. that you hadn't handled for the right. last ten years. Exactly. Uh, I'd had it. I had a lot of ideas saved up in my head. So and it. It didn't involve any real research other than living my life. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time to be oh, on Sandy Young America. It was such a pleasure to have you. Adrian Tomina. Thank you very much. Adrian Tomina is the creator of the comic Optic Nerve. His most recent book-length piece is called Shortcomings. That's our time for another Sound of Young America podcast. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself, interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Special thanks this week to Nick White, who uh, directed and produced our live shows at Bumbershoot. He also edited the show. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, and I do hope you'll check out MaxFunCon.com and think about coming and joining us in the mountains of Southern California for a weekend of awesome. By the way, if you happen to be in Seattle and maybe you missed us at Bumbershoot or you came and you had a good time, we'll be back in Seattle at the Seattle Sketchfest with guest Dan Savage and more. You can find more information at sketchfest.org. We'll see you next time on The Sound of Young America. <laughs>